0: Welcome to the
1: Miles Not Included podcast. I'm Joe. And I'm Brian. Run with us as we talk training, racing, and everything in between. Welcome to Episode 7 of Miles Not Included. On this week's podcast, we'll be talking about alternatives to the standard training program, in particular, the Hanson's training method. But before we get to that, let's have a little... Miles in review. So, Joe, how did this week go for you?
0: This week was fantastic, despite the fact that I barely made it off the treadmill due to the continuing cold, snowy weather. Uh, I had a good week. I ended up uh, bumping up the mileage again, which was which is nice for for the training, not so nice for the legs, but uh ended up getting in... T- yeah, about 10, 10, more miles than I did last week. I feel the fitness is starting to come around. Did a little cut down again this week, uh, on Friday where I took it to about ten ten 10 seconds below where I'm hoping to uh, run the marathon in St. Louis and then followed that up with uh, a couple medium runs on Saturday and Sunday. So overall can't complain.
1: How about you? So I, same as you, bumped up the mileage a little bit this week, not quite as much as you did. I upped it about five miles this week. Uh, My long run was two miles longer than it was last week. I had the same problem you did of not really being able to get off the treadmill. That's not really a bad thing, but it's draining just being on that treadmill. Knowing, Knowing you got to do it for
0: an hour, hour and a half, whatever it might be.
1: Yeah, and it really becomes a game of how long can I stay on here, you know? Trying to figure out, okay, at some point I need to refill my water bottle. Trying to figure how that break works in because it really becomes a, you know, a tool to keep you going, and at the same time gives you a chance to mentally reset. Do you try that the the towel
0: over the display trick? I see that's really popular amongst a lot of people. If I can't see the dis- if I can't see it going up 0.01 miles every 20 seconds, then it's going to be okay.
1: So I used to do that. Uh, lately I've been more playing the mental game of well, I know I need 18 miles a day, but I'd be okay with 5k. And then as I get to that point, I go, you know what? I'll go four miles. And I start playing the mile game like that. So you like to to watch the little
0: 4.01, 4.02.
1: No, I, I do a pretty good job of not really paying attention to it, but I'll glance down now and then. And the closer I get to one of those mile markers before I convince myself to run just one more mile, you know, I'll mentally just focus on that and stare at it and sometimes kick the pace up a little bit to get through that. So now back up a bit. So you actually did the 18 on the treadmill? Yes. So my 18 miler was on the treadmill. The temperature outside was about 10 degrees and I believe the wind chill was negative three or four. So I did opt for the treadmill and I really felt I wanted to get my 18 miler in. So I did it all on the treadmill.
0: Oh, nah, see that's where yeah, I think I capped my my longest one this week on I think it was eleven and a half on the treadmill, and that was yeah, that's about all I can handle. So you you're at a club
1: though, right? For your yeah, workout. So, so my wife and I belong to a, a running club. Uh, it's part of the, one of the local hospitals, and they tend to keep it a little warmer than I'd prefer. Um, their treadmills. They're nice, solid treadmills, but they mount the TV on the treadmill. And I have issues with a TV right in front of my face when I run, and it will make me sick. So,
0: So, Can you reach out and touch it? Is it that close? Oh, yeah.
1: I could stick my elbow out and touch it. It's literally mounted right on the bar on the top of the treadmill. So great feature
0: if you're maybe walking on the treadmill.
1: Exactly. And so what I tend to do is either I will look at my reflection... Because when I'm running and my body is, you know, bouncing as you run along, your reflection will bounce with you. So you, your eye isn't readjusting as long as you focus on, like I'll sometimes focus on my collarbone because I can always see that in the field of vision. And then I just mentally try to shut off and just go with it knowing that I've got the mileage to do.
0: I, I don't even know what to say, Brian. I mean, is that vanity? What, what What's
1: working there? You're just zoning vanity or insanity vanity
0: so no tv at all then for this no so the other thing that
1: I, i will try to do when i'm at the gym is at that club the treadmills all overlook the basketball court so i always pray that somebody will be playing basketball uh there wasn't too many people this week so it was just straight up treadmill for about two hours and 20 minutes so do you try to you try to strike up a conversation with the guy next
0: to you or anything or they stay they stare clear when they see the guy that's been sweating on the treadmill for an hour and a half
1: Well it is interesting when you through the course of your run you have three different people trying to run next to you on a treadmill and it's a range of people walking to people running I did have the guy who was trying to keep pace for a while I've seen him in there some other times and he can actually run but he, he sneaks a peek over sees oh, how fast definitely. you're running and then Definitely. Now Now, he showed up right as the treadmill that I was on had a 99 minute limit. And I hit 99 minutes at about 12 and a half miles. And he showed up just before that. So he got a glimpse of it. And then I did two shorter segments because I was beginning to lose my mind and just getting a two minute break to go refill the water bottle and stretch just for a second really helps. So he was seeing me then run about a three-mile segment and about a two-and-a-half-mile segment to round out the run. But, yeah. yeah, he was he would keep looking over at my mileage and my time, and, and I would see him playing with his time, and it seemed to be awfully close to what I was running at that point.
0: Now, you didn't exchange any words with him, though?
1: No, I thought about it. I really did. Because I'm pretty sure he's a marathoner, but I let it go. I was... Not in the greatest of moods at that point, as you could probably imagine.
0: You should have slipped him a business card and brought him on the show. Could have Mm gotten his perspective of the run.
1: Maybe maybe next week, and we'll do the other side of the coin.
0: (laughs) Make for some awesome podcasting. Yeah, so I feel almost guilty now because I'm doing my run on the treadmill at home. So I've got access. I just pull open the window and get that, what do you say, 10-degree air? So I pull that 10-degree air in and then just put on my TV, which is... Properly distanced from the treadmill and then uh, put on the Netflix or whatever I found. So, yeah, I managed to watch on Saturday. Uh, This will show you what kind of running geek I am. I pulled up the Berlin Marathon from last year where they set the world record and watched that. Terribly excited. I don't know what you would rather watch, the Berlin 2014 Marathon or blank screen, but I, I know what I like. And then Sunday I pulled up, uh, gosh, what movie was it? I just finished the whole thing now. World's Fastest Indian. You heard of this movie? I don't know. I looked through the little Netflix program and I thought, oh, this looks really good. It turned out to be not so good. But, of course, I had to finish it on today's run, so it's (laughs) it's carried over. So I subjected myself to two hours of the movie, but it helped the time go.
1: So last week you mentioned that you did quite a few runs on the treadmill. Do you know how many you did?
0: Oh, good question. I think I got outside. I think I got outside once. Yeah, so um, I ended up. I did end up running seven days, um, and got outside once. So can't can't complain about that.
1: So, do you have any other methods for getting through a treadmill run?
0: Yeah, probably the. And the one I've been trying to employ uh, at least when I can is to throw in a quality workout so that, I mean, you're suffering one way or the other. Um, And I do like to, I I really like to cut down. So I've done that the last couple of weeks. And uh, same thing as I did previous week, I use the calories just as the kind of the trigger to go faster. So every 50 calories, I would just bump it up 0.1. And it's a weird thing when you don't want the time to pass. Because you don't want to go faster, the time passes, that whole kind of conundrum thing. So but yeah, that ended up being a good method and en- ended up getting a another good workout. Um I think it was just about an hour. So um it kind of flew by. Nice. Yeah, so the quality, if you know, if there's nothing on unt- if if you're not if you can't control the TV in front of you, yeah, throw throw open the quality or if you can get somebody to run with you like we talked about previously. That helps the time go by otherwise. Yeah.
1: And we Finds... both belong to the same gym at work as well. So some mornings we do get out there and we'll get three or four guys on treadmills next to each other and the headphones tend to come off and you know we gab quite a bit so that that's definitely a good method.
0: And so you get at least 10 minutes out of that, right? Until every... <laughs> until you run out of stuff to talk about and then
1: that's what the headphones are for.
0: And you're staring at the subcaptioning on the TV, which is
1: makes for great running.: Yeah, so a similar method that you use for quality. Um, I've been using it lately just to get through runs. If I'm looking at, for example, a six-mile run, I like weird numbers. Um, I'm terrible at math as well, but I will up the speed every three-quarter miles for four three-quarter segments which works out to be about 3 miles, or exactly 3 miles. Then I will do 4 segments at a half mile each, and then I'll do 4 segments at a quarter mile each. And at each one, I bump it up 0.1 on the treadmill. And that ends up being a 6-mile run, and then sometimes I'll kick up the pace a little bit even more at the end just to sort of burn myself out, and that'll give me about 10K. Uh, You can extend that as well. Sometimes I'll do... I'll start it off with four miles, and each mile I'll up it, so then that would give you 10 miles. So I'll play with the numbers. Numbers is something that I am not very good with, but I love using them because I'm not good with them. During my marathon, I do math the whole way, and I'll try and figure out what percentage of the race I've already completed, what percentage is left, and just running through stupid math like that I find really helps pass the time. By the I'll time I figure out math. the calculation, I have to go back and do it again because it's been several miles.
0: I'll have to try this math thing because I consider myself okay at math, and you lost me a long time ago. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Trust me, when you pull up a spreadsheet, you'll figure it out. No, but I think the, the theme of if you
0: as you increase pace, it definitely helps there, right? It's just the miles start rolling by literally faster. Um, and then yeah, it gives you. As long as you got something to focus on, something that's coming up, definitely helps.
1: Yeah, I agree. So with that, you ready to get to the main episode? Yeah, let's get on. All right, we'll be back after this. Welcome back. So today we thought we'd talk about some alternative training programs to those you may have already heard about. especially with people starting up their spring training programs, this is really a good chance to think about how you're going to do things and maybe think of a different way to approach the races, whether it's your first one or your fifth one. So a lot of people I know are familiar with the Hal Higdon style, build, 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 step back, build, 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 step back, build, 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 all the way up to doing 18, 20, 22 miler as your long run uh, taking a couple of days off during the week around that long run. And that's really your focus. But I know that Joe is a big fan personally of the Hanson's marathon method. So we thought today would be a good day to learn a little bit about it. I myself haven't actually followed that ever. So this is new to me as well. So with that, Joe, what's so special about the Hanson's method?
0: So the probably the biggest thing that separates the Hanson's program from the others, when you just take that first glance at it, it's the fact they top out at 16 miles per week for the long run, where, as you mentioned, Brian, most marathoners are going. I mean, 20 is kind of the standard long run method. Um, Galloway, some of these guys um, take it up to 26. But that's the... At First Blush, that's the biggest difference with Hansen's. But when you dig into it, their their big thing is it's about balance and consistency. So when this originally appeared sort of widely, um, I got a hold of it in March 2005. Running Times ran uh, an article, Marathoning the Hansen's Way, which we'll put a link to in the show notes so you can still grab it. But uh, when, when they put it in there, they called it subs- something of substance training. And it's built with uh, one day off per week, three easy runs, and then three something of substance trainings. So kind of the quality runs, if you will. And we can go through that. Um, but I'll, but just to reemphasize, it's about making sure that everything's in proportion. So you want to keep everything in that right balance um, and then build. It's an 18-week program, which is pretty typical uh, for most of them out there but it does it in a way that's that's different enough and challenging. And when I found it, um, like I said, back in 2005, it was brand new. I mean, nobody, I couldn't find anybody. I was going through the little forums. It was really hard to find anyone who had done it. So I jumped in and um, my buddy and I both did it and we had really good results. And I've been a, a fan ever since and applied the principles. I mean, they're solid principles. It's nothing like secret sauce here. I mean, it's widely published, um, but have applied this to all my marathoning to date. So it's, it's good stuff. It's, it's definitely different. And I guess a good different here.
1: So I guess the obvious question is if your long run is 16 miles, how does that work? Especially where everybody else is doing 18, 20, 22, and still not feeling prepared come race day with the, what what's so special about the Hansen method that 16 miles is enough. And that was exactly my experience. Actually,
0: the year before I did Hanson's, Brian, it's like, I was going through the same, similar thing that most marathoners find is, you know, you hit the wall, right? 20, 21, and you're brought to a, a walk or at least a slower jog. Um, and before Hanson's, I had the same approach. Okay. You know what? 20 is not enough. I'm going to go 21, 22. And so when I switched over to this, um, I mean, I had those reservations. Yeah, how is that 16 going to work? And I guess um, how it works is you're going into that long run with more fatigue than you probably have in previous programs. So the fact that there's three quality workouts each week for most of us, and that was definitely the case, I was going in there with my legs a little, little more fatigued than they had been in the past. And when they talk, when the Hansons talk about this, they sort of they use the example of it's, it's going to feel like under this program those 16 miles are the last 16 miles of the marathon versus the first 16 miles. Um, and I don't know if that's, you know, exactly true, but I can say um, without certainty, this really gave me my first exposure to the, the, the way your body should feel during the marathon, you don't want to be feeling fresh. Um, you want to be kind of comfortably fatigued and too fatigued. You're going to potentially get injured, burned out. And, but if you're over rested and really fresh, you're probably not getting the full training effect um, that's supposed to be going on. And that's the other thing that they emphasize in their program. Uh, it takes 10 days to get an effect of a, of a workout, which this isn't a Hansen's thing per se. It's pretty widely accepted. So if I do a workout today, it's not like I wake up tomorrow and I'm, boom, I'm that much faster or uh, more fit. It takes a number of days to do that. So that's something that you got to um, put into the program that each of these workouts it's going to take time to get the desired effect in your body to get stronger so you have to be very careful about the pacing and when you overlay these workouts
1: so you mentioned that there's three quality workouts in a week
0: yeah yeah so we've got you've got the long run which you would expect so like in their example and obviously you can move this around a little bit in their example that's sunday So they start, um, in their 18-week program, they start, depending on what level you are, they have beginner or um, advanced, whatever you want to call it. And it's not by speed, it's just by how much experience you have. But if you want to talk about the beginner, they start at four miles, and then they build up. Next week, four miles, five miles, five miles, six miles, and that goes up to 16 And then they do something kind of interesting. So there's three 16 miles, three 16 milers during the buildup. But once you hit that 16 mile, the next week you're going to do only 10 miles. However, the day before you do the 10 miler, there's another 10 miler. So if you want to think about it, they're almost splitting, if you will, a 20 miler into two runs, which obviously isn't. Exactly the same thing as a 20 miler, but the back to back 10 milers are certainly fatiguing. Um, That's going back to my experience. I looked at this and I'm like, okay, big deal. Back to back 10 milers. It was much more fatiguing than I would have expected that. And it made sense. That was at a time where the only time I went double digits during the week would have been a long run in my previous programs. So to have a 10 10 and then have to carry on with your week was fatiguing. So, yeah, so it went six, so it goes 16 10, 16 10, and then the taper comes in. But I can say without fail, I mean, this, the 16s are, are the real deal. So, the other workouts then on Tuesday, they do a, uh, it starts out with speed, which is um, about 10k pace. So, it's quality between three and five miles. You'll do repeats. Um, so think of maybe six by one mile with some rest, uh, um, and that would be at about 10 K pace. And then that progresses as you get deeper into the program, it switches over as you get closer to the marathon into what they call strength. And basically what's happening there is the strength workouts become 10 seconds under your goal marathon pace. So for me, this was another difference. And for a lot of runners, it's how often are you touching these faster speeds so Sunday long run, Tuesday, you have the speed strength. And then I think the real, the, the real strength building comes Thursday where they do, um, they call it tempo or marathon pace workouts. And these are super fatiguing, but again, critical to the physiology and the psychology of building for the marathon. So it starts out at um, doing like four miles at marathon pace. And during the last couple weeks, you're doing uh, 10 miles at marathon pace so you're going to do a mile or two warm-up and then jump into doing these 10 miles in a row at marathon pace, which I, th- thinking, I, I can still remember one of the uh, first 10-mile marathon pace runs I tried to do. I was about three miles into it, and I just thought, oh, my gosh, there's no way I'm going to even be able to complete today's run, uh, much less you know do this for the marathon. But I pushed on, and indeed, I, I think I can say without – fail. It's it's hard to believe, but that first 10-mile marathon pace workout was harder than the marathon because my body was in such a state of tiredness when I went into that. It was a real shock to the body. So yeah, those are the, the three quality workouts that are happening.
1: So how does the mileage compare across a week, looking at sort of your peak week with the Hanson's training versus some of the other approaches out there because this is really based on the effort and those quality runs mm-hmm. really wearing you down whereas some of the other plans are more about the mileage getting the mileage up there how does this compare
0: i th- i think if you look at the weekly mileage it's probably a little bit heavier um than some of the other beginner programs if you're c- comparing it against some of the more advanced programs like fitzinger where you're looking at higher mileage it might be a little bit on the lower end. But the thing that makes it a little more difficult to compare, like like I was saying, with the long runs, um, because you have weeks with only 10 miles, but you're still getting you know 50 miles in, you're obviously getting a lot of miles on those other days, where most runners are doing the majority of, of their work on the Sunday or on the Saturday, whenever their long run is. So they're almost overloading it. And that's something that their philosophy is um i guess key to understanding their inherent in this balance and consistency is this idea that no one workout is more important than another and i think most programs don't subscribe to that they they believe the long run is more important than the quality workout on a thursday or something like that so what the hansons try to do is is achieve that balance by keeping all the numbers in line so if you look at their they've got um, professional marathoners um, in their club. If you look at their runners, they're doing the twenty to two twenty to the twenty-two mile long runs that most people would expect. But they're doing that with runners who are running 120, 130, 140 miles a week. So if you look at the proportion, what the professionals are doing and what they're telling um, the, what they're prescribing for amateurs, the numbers work together, right? So if you're doing 16 miles and your total mileage is say in the, in the fifties, you know, that's, that's near the numbers. If, if you're doing a 20
1: and you're running 110 a week. So with the approach being no run is more important than another, what happens if you're sick or you miss a run? How do you, how does that play in?
0: Yeah, that's definitely something that occurs in on the eighteen. 18- and the 18 week buildup. So I think their philosophy would be just kind of pick up and adjust. Um, you know, certainly if you need to flip flop stuff around, um, you know, don't shoehorn it in. So if you miss two easy days, right, don't pile up the, the two quality runs next to one another. Um, and the fact that they give one day off, I think helps that gives a little bit of play in the schedule there. Um, but, yeah, I would say just kind of adjust on the fly there. And if you need to drop a quality workout, not a big deal because you got, <laughs> you've got you got three the next week. So if you can get, you know, in an 18-week program, if, if you can get, you know, most of those quality workouts in, you're going to be in really good shape.
1: So you mentioned that they have multiple training programs, but that it's based on experience, not based on speed or goal. Mm-hmm. How does that work? How do they vary? Is it just on that volume you mentioned with the elites? It, yeah, exactly. It would just be taking the volume up
0: on the and uh, the first couple of weeks of the program. Certainly, like how far your long run is going to be, and then how much volume you're going to be doing some, during the quality workouts, and then on some of those easy runs. And I I think they offer a really good blueprint um, for people of all abilities there. So even if you look at this and maybe you've got a time constraint, I think it's very easy when you lay it out like this to say okay, you know what, I don't have time to do a 7-miler that day. I'm going to take it down to a 5-miler this day and add a couple more miles, you know, on the next one. So it's it's kind of a you no, know, I think it's a nice it's a nice kind of component system
1: and very easy to understand how they lay it out. You mentioned that you went from being sort of a standard training or a standard runner using those standard programs to trying the Hansen method. How was your result different once you made the change? How big of a difference did you see? How did you feel comparing the two?
0: It was, for me, it was night and day. And in fairness, I mean, I had toiled away and done a lot of 20 mile runs over a number of years. So I had built up uh, a pretty big aerobic base, but every marathon I would just get crushed those last couple miles. Um, you know, I'd feel really good at the start, go out, I'm on pace, probably the typical story, right? And then 18, eh, you know what? It's getting a little bit hard. And by like 20, 21, I would just be done with the Hansons. My, the actual experience during the race couldn't have been more opposite. So the year, um, so when I went into the race um, after doing the Hanson's plan, I was, I guess, fairly confident, but I went to the start line and those first couple miles, they weren't hard by any stretch, but they felt nothing like they did. My, my legs felt very different than they had with the other buildups. The other buildups, I, the first couple miles of the race were really easy with the Hanson's. I still felt like, gosh, you know, I don't feel that like super freshness that I did before. But as the race went on on, uh, with the Hansons, I started feeling better with every mile. Um, And I had a a buddy jump in at mile 16. And I thought, man, I I told him I I feel really good. And, you know, he said, just head down, keep running. And we got to 20 and I was fully expecting, okay, I haven't done more than 16 miles. Now I'm at 20 miles in this race. You know, what's going to happen I felt better. We got to mile 21, 22. I kept feeling better. So it's really hard to internalize that feeling. But I ended up the last mile um, of that marathon. I I think it might have been the the fastest mile of the race for me. So I happened to take off that with the first go around with Hanson's. I took off 17 minutes. So the time result was definitely there. But more importantly, it was that feeling like gosh, you know what? I'm not walking <laughs> i'm you know i'm I'm feeling good, I've got the energy and um it it was such a a night and day feeling, and I think you know these these um hallmarks that they preach with this balance and consistency really stuck because under the previous training programs. You know, I was, I would point towards everything was about the long run. So I would, you know, probably take a day off or really short the day before the long run because I wanted to be fresh. So yeah, I was able to go out and, you know, nail that 20 mile long run. And then I'd be really, really, you know, I pay for it the next couple of days after the big 20. Um, But everything was kind of pointed around this where with the, with the Hansons, I felt like, okay, it's 16 miles, not that big a deal. But I had all this other quality and all these other miles stacked around it that you're forced to go out there and um, you know you can't shortcut anything, especially especially on the MP days. Like I said, the marathon pace stuff. Um, and it helped. And then uh, the other big difference was this program forced me to understand the pace, which was another mistake I had made in previous programs. It's like, gosh, you know what? I feel pretty good. What's another 10 seconds faster? Well, with the Hansons, I had dialed in that pace. So when it came marathon time, I, you know, it was sort of second nature. Um, so, yeah, really, I don't know, tale of two worlds. It really flipped a switch for me in understanding these this balance and consistency business.
1: So leading into the marathon, what's their approach for taper? Because, I'm again, using Hal Higdon as the rule of thumb, you know, taking a day off, two days off, three days off, you know, a lot lower mileage in those two weeks leading up to it. How do they approach that lead into the marathon and, you know, being fresh, especially where you've been doing that quality work?
0: Yeah. This is another place where I've, ad- I've adopted their methods. So they take a different approach. So they kind of call their, um, their last weeks, uh, a modified taper, so where you typically see, yeah, like a 21-day taper or something of that length, um, Hansen's don't really have that. Theirs is more of, it's, it's about a 10-day um, taper. And go back to what we talked about, right? It takes your body 10 days to absorb training. So they believe you, you need about 10 to 14 days to really kind of what they call freshen up or however you want to look at it. So the example they give is Um, if you're a marathon runner, you're doing all this marathon training and then you go into this full taper, they liken it to somebody who is, um, all of a sudden sleeping 11 hours a day when you're used to getting seven hours, um, a day. So you don't necessarily feel your best. It might seem like a good idea, but it potentially throws the body off. So I've, I've experimented with this, by adding a, a little bit of time or a couple more days, a couple less days, but I've I've come to a, a very much I've adopted this this approach too. That I mean, you just want to you just want to take stuff down a little bit. I don't I don't like this three week taper. I think the body um, tends to you tend to lose fitness and you feel good. And I think that was my experience, right? Previous to the Hansons, I would feel good at the beginning of the race, but I was almost um, over-rested, and the body wasn't in the right state. And I mean, I'm sure there's other stuff going on there, um, you know, with the physiology of things. But um, but yeah, I would I really think that's a a key component for people to to look at is even if you don't adopt the Hansons, take a look at how other people taper. Um, so much of I mean, it's very individualistic, but it's it's something worth exploring because I've definitely seen firsthand how it can have a, a positive impact on your on your
1: time. Well, and I think that that also makes a great point is make sure you are going out there and looking at different options. And if something doesn't work for you, try different things. You know, I'm I don't want this to come off as we're pushing the Hanson's method because, as I said, I've never attempted the Hanson's method, though some of the things that I have done overlap with their concepts. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not deliberately doing it because of them, but they're things that I've picked up through my experiences. And, you know, I, the first marathon I ran, I looked at Hal Higdon and he got me through it. So, you know, there's value in the, all of those programs. The reason people p- preach different programs is because they've worked for them. And just keeping that open mind and seeing different things will really help you grow
0: I totally agree, Brian. and something that might work um might work for you today might not have worked for you a year ago, and I very much believe that, like in my case with hansen's i I found it at the right time. I had done a number of years of just real easy running, so my body was in a good position, I was ready for it, where other people yeah, it might not work, and of course, six days a week might not work for all runners. So either you got to modify it or find a program that's pre-built for your situation. Yeah. There's, there's so many, there's so many good programs out there. And nowadays too, I mean, there, there's no real excuse. You can go out there. So besides the running times, we'll point you over to um, Luke Humphrey, who runs for the Hansons. He wrote a book, the Hanson's marathon method, and you can go read, you know, there's, I don't know, a couple hundred reviews out there it's a uh, four and a half stars so you could read other people's experiences bad and good yeah there's not there's certainly not a one size fits all there's ton of op- tons of options out there and this is certainly one of the solid ones
1: so is there anything else we've missed on the hansen's method
0: no i mean i think we we just about you know covered it all i mean it's it's one of these where i would encourage you to take a different look even if you've had pretty good success with something, look around, see if there's something you, you know, you potentially can tweak like a weak spot or uh, somewhere where, you know, you need some more work and see if, you know, see if this program might not be right for you. Or if you think, gosh, I'm I'm beyond that, I mean, maybe taking and picking this up and using some of the principles. um, Because I think they make a, a ton of sense, whether it's, you know, maybe the 16, maybe you don't like the 16 mile fine at a couple miles, go 18 on it. Um, and I think the Hansons would encourage you to do that. It's, it's not a absolute blueprint. It's just, it's, and you can use it as an outline for what you need, but all the stuff works in, in concert. And I think the, uh, the workouts are solid and you know, if they're too much workouts, you know, you can drop one every other week, whatever, whatever, you know, whatever you want to do with it. But I think the, uh, the training program is, is certainly one that's, that's worth investigating.
1: Yeah, I agree. So with that, I think we'll wrap it up for this week. So feel free to follow Joe on Twitter. He's at McRunner26. As always, you can follow me at RunGooseRun on Twitter. Until next week, Keep your shoes tied and your feet moving.
0: Want more info on the podcast? Head over to milesnotincluded.com. Are you on Twitter? We are too. Find us at MNI Podcast. Any questions, comments, or even like to be a guest on the show? Hit us up at podcast at milesnotincluded.com.